0: the, the podcast. podcast and i'm not theo
1: and i am not Juliet,
0: and i have been waiting 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 to hear the bacon for this week i've been waiting all week to hear what what this is bacon shaking is. bacon so it better be good
1: it's it's the best bacon of all time um <laughs> awesome yeah it's pork belly bacon uh mm. so nothing which is great we bought a house and we had to do all the things like find your report card from the third grade and make three copies of it and get them signed by the nun that originally flunked you in the third grade and send them (laughs) into the mortgage company. It's a bunch of stuff, right? Um, And we've been busy with other things, and so some of that mortgage stuff didn't happen, and they would send really polite emails that got less and less polite and more (laughs) pointed. Today is the day that we need the W-2 from, okay, I guess, yeah. yes, yeah, 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 I've got it. I'm just really, really lazy. Um, right. <laughs> it's, a, it's a whirlwind of, of paperwork. But whatever. It's so, so
0: stressful, too.
1: Well, and then, because, right, because there's always that opportunity to be like, no, I'm not going to give you that piece of paper because I've changed my mind. I don't want to buy the house right. and I don't want to spend the money. Thank you. Goodbye. Um, <laughs> so there is a lot of that. Um and if it hasn't been the house and talking to movers and having an open house here and having people come through our house, well, yeah. we pretended to also be visiting the open house just so I can oh,
0: yeah.
1: hear people. Yeah. Um, nobody said anything interesting at all. All I talked oh, okay. about was the house and not how good my taste is. <laughs> <laughs> I expected at least one wow, and I didn't get it, Um Yeah, so that's been it. So that's my bacon. It's just the anxiety around buying a house and the thoughts of like having to move and pack and all that stuff. And James will be out of town during the move, which on one hand is great, because then Uh I get to put things where I want. Like, the couch goes there. Done. That is great. Yeah, so I can't wait. But then also, it's just me. And so it's like, uh, I don't want to make all these decisions. It's too much You'll responsibility. Do
0: great. It'll be perfect if you get to do it all yourself. It'll be perfect.
1: Well, th- thank you. <laughs> yes, I had forgotten I know that. That's
0: true. Yes.
1: Yeah. So, what about you at Shake and Bacon?
0: Um, not much. I did go to see Barbie yesterday with my friend Alice, who so I hadn't seen. Huh? Yeah. Have you not seen it yet?
1: No, and my hairdresser did, and he has big opinions. So I need to hear everything you I thought. I
0: want to know what your hairdresser's opinions are.
1: I was fascinated. So I had my hair... Let's take it back. And bacon. I had my haircut on Yay. Friday. And uh, so my hairdresser was telling me this story about how he'd been invited to this guy's birthday party. And the guy was having a Barbie viewing party. So dress up as mm-hmm. Barbie. Let's all meet. And we're going to go to the theater and have fun. And uh, my hairdresser, uh, let's call him... This is not his name. Let's call him Adam. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, Adam was dressed up like Ken, and mm-hmm. as he was standing in line and getting into the movie theater, people were like, "Oh, hey, Ken mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so cool he was into it. It was a lot like dressing up for rocky horror, right And people yeah. were responding to his outfit, and he was he was enjoying that. and the movie started, and he said to me, "It's all about the patriarchy and how bad <laughs> the patriarchy is." Uh-huh. And I didn't like how stupid they made men look." the men were really just accessories for Barbie. And I didn't like being there promoting that image as Ken. And I he didn't totally feel.
0: totally miss the point.
1: And I didn't feel that this was the film for me. I thought it was going to be funny and light and interesting. And like, you know, ha, ha, ha. Um And so I left. And I was uh, like.
0: He left? He left oh, his friend's party?
1: He, yep. He left the movie theater. Wow. And then, um, and he went home. And it got out of his Ken outfit and he did not go out and join them afterwards because he was really disappointed. He was, mad, mad. he was like the worst film that he had ever seen outside of this other film that I've already forgotten what the title was, but he told me about that one too, and it was bad. <laughs> but yeah, and so I was like, Damn. Well, that's a that's that's a really big reaction. Um, yeah. I've only heard really positive things in the press, but I don't know anybody who's seen it personally. And then I told him that uh, my friend who is a feminist was going to go see it. And I was really excited to get her take on it. And so here Uh you are, my friend who is a feminist. Oh, dear. What was your take?
0: (laughs) Well, I thought it was a step in the right direction. But not it didn't go far enough, so I feel the completely opposite of what your your hairdresser thinks. I think it it you know, I mentioned the patriarchy, which I think may be the first time in a movie I've heard the patriarchy be mentioned as something that exists. I'm not sure. Can't be true, but feels like it's true. Um Although at the same time, it's still a Barbie movie and it's still like sponsored by Mattel. So they can't go very far, although they did mention capitalism and how the harms that capitalism can do and obviously the harms that patriarchy does for women. Um, but I, it, it, I mean, I, you know, do I want to say that a Barbie movie didn't go far enough in the feminism? I mean, what, what, what do you expect from a Barbie movie? So I, I think for a Barbie movie, it was pretty well done. I'll say that.
1: Okay. And did you cry or were there moments where you could no. see where somebody would have cried? No. Because I've heard that people have cried. Really? Yeah. That they were moved to, oh, you know what i I can't like. yeah.
0: think of any moments where I might have been moved. But I mean, it wasn't as funny as I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be like funny, funny, but it wasn't. It wasn't like Barb and Star, which is one of my favorite movies that have come out in the recent years. <laughs> such
1: a great film. <laughs>
0: it's not a great movie. Um, so I, I prefer Barb and Star to Barbie. Um but you know, am I glad I saw it? I guess I had a good time with my friend. Um, it was, I guess, it was worth the ten dollars I paid to see it. So. Um,
1: oh, that's it. I thought movies yeah. were like fifteen to twenty bucks a ticket now.
0: It was um, a, matinee? a matinee. yeah.
1: Look at you getting those discounts.
0: That's right. And I went to the Alamo Draft House, so I got to have like waiters come and wait on me, which is always nice.
1: That's my favorite that's theater.
0: Was- yeah, it's pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, but it was sold out. Barbie's been sold out for ever since it it, um, it showed up. And I managed to get the last two tickets. Uh, the tickets went on sale on Wednesday for the weekend. And, and I logged in like at, at eight o'clock on Wednesday morning, and there were two seats left. So I got the last two seats.
1: So God so wanted you to see popular. that.
0: I guess so. <laughs> so I'm glad people are going to see it. I don't know if a lot of people are walking out. I didn't see anyone walking out in the um, in the showing that I went to. But I think people generally know what it's about. So I guess your hairdresser wasn't really um, aware of the whole thing. So so interesting.
1: Uh, yeah, he was expecting more of a cross between Gem and the Holograms and Barb yeah. and Star and the Golden Girls. And, uh, you know, <laughs> ha, ha, ha comedy.
0: Yeah. So, you know, I, I'd give Barbie a, a B minus.
1: Oh, harsh.
0: <laughs> I was thinking C plus. <laughs> You're B-. a tough grader. <laughs> I haven't even
1: seen it. I'm like, A. Are you going to see it? Solid A. I'm um, I'm I'm intrigued. And it I'd be was interested
0: to see what you think.
1: More my hairdresser Adam's response to the film that made me say like, <laughs> hmm.
0: Hmm, maybe I'll go. Maybe
1: I won't go see it in the theater. I I mean, totally. Yeah. I will see it when it comes on to Netflix. Um, absolutely. But. Maybe, Is your I don't know.
0: generally the kind of person to walk out on a feminist film?
1: No, no. That's that was the bit that was kind of surprising. He's very like, let's put it this way. He gets to touch my hair. And that means that he's got to be cool and his politics must align and he must all the things, right? Right, because you don't want
0: to sit there for an hour while somebody's messing with your hair telling you about Make America Great Again.
1: Exactly. For sure. Uh, um, Yeah, yeah, because they would take those scissors and stick them in my head. Hey, what a nice segue to our topic today.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Um, So today we're talking about... um, Well, we'll we'll lead in by talking about Catherine Mendler, who's a 37-year-old therapist in training uh, in in Vancouver, Canada, who went to Vancouver General Hospital in June looking for treatment after her... uh, She had long-term chronic depression, and it got worse after a traumatic event. So she went to the hospital to see a psychiatrist and was ready to stay overnight, you know, if necessary. I think she was thinking that maybe they'd admit her uh, because she was feeling so bad. So she filled out an intake form and told the folks about her mental health history and um, her overwhelming feelings of depression. And the clinician, she said later, the clinician who took her intake um, said, I can call the on-call psychiatrist, but there are no beds. There's no availability. The system is broken. Then she said, have you ever considered medical assistance in dying, which is physician-assisted suicide? And I'll I'll talk more about that in a few minutes. Um, But Mentler said she was she was taken aback by the question, and had never considered assisted dying before, even though she had in the past on her own tried to overdose on drugs. Um, the clinician told Mentler that overdosing at home could lead to brain damage and other problems, um, whereas the state-administered uh, medically medical assistance in dying, also known as MAID, uh, death of benzodiazepines and other sedatives was more comfortable, she called it. And Mentler said the staffer also told her a story about another patient who had had mental health challenges and drowned in a river. And the, the staffer talked about her relief that the patient had passed away given her struggles, which I think is appalling. I mean, A, you shouldn't be talking about your other patients like that. And B, you, you're saying that you're relieved that your patient who's struggling is dead. That's just nuts. Um, and Metler was upset by it. She said the encounter left her feeling uncomfortable and emotional, and she posted about it on social media. Thank God we have social media, otherwise we'd never hear about half the stuff we hear about, I think. Um, I was shocked that someone working in mental health or health care in general would make a judgment about a person and a person's life without knowing what their wishes are, Mentler said. I very specifically went there that day because I didn't want to get into a situation where I would think about taking an overdose of medication. Mandler says that she has long lived with depression, anxiety, and chronic suicidal thoughts, but she still found joy in life. That day, my goal was to keep myself safe. I was thinking of maybe trying to get myself admitted to the hospital because I was in crisis. But she went home feeling hopeless because this was my attempt at reaching out for help, and I feel it was actually more traumatizing. It actually made me feel a lot worse to think I live in this place where the system is completely broken, there's no help, and the only other option we talked about was assistance in dying. I wanted help to live. She did later get help from another clinic, and obviously she's still alive, so thank God um, she got taken care of. Um, And a spokesperson for the hospital later said that the topic of assisted dying was raised during the discussion with Mettler, but said that it was done to assess her risk of suicide rather than as a suggestion. And I've read some other um, articles that said that that's actually not true, that they usually don't ask about, um, they usually don't use MAID as a as a tool to ask to assess people's risk of suicide. But that's something that they wouldn't do. So it's interesting that it was done in this case. Um, so what is medical assistance in dying, uh, known as MAID? It's been legal in Canada since 2016 for terminally ill residents. Uh, so in, initially, it was brought about to help people who were at close risk i guess of dying or we're going to be dying like six months or something like that Um, and then it was expanded in 2021 for people living with debilitating disabilities or pain even if their lives aren't at immediate risk and they were going to make um made available to patients suffering from mental illness alone starting in this year 2023 but it has been paused by the canadian government so i guess they're still looking into the legality and the ethics of of that which i think is a good idea um In the U.S., physician-assisted dying is legal in 10 states and Washington, D.C., where access to the procedure is generally restricted to people with a terminal illness and less than six months to live. Patients are generally required to be mentally healthy, to get approval from multiple doctors, and to affirm the request multiple times. Last December, uh, a retired Canadian Army colonel and Paralympian testified before a Canadian Veterans Committee that she was offered medical assistance in dying while fighting to have a wheelchair lift installed in her home. Christine Gauthier testified that a veteran affairs caseworker had written to her offering to provide a device she could use to take her own life. This um, incident prompted an apology from Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Boy, you're laughing. I am. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's okay.
1: uh, Oh, God. Hi, I'd like to have a a medical elevator. An elevator installed in my house for medical need. All right. Uh, Yeah, how many barbiturates did you want again? No, I don't want to kill myself. I need an elevator. Like...
0: Are you sure it you don't is, want to die? It's
1: such a yeah. jump!
0: I know, I know, it's terrible. Um, I, I don't, I, I don't know any more about than that. I don't know any details if there are, are any. Uh, what's? I mean, the, clearly right? she
1: went with the elevator because she was here to give the interview. Yeah,
0: she's here to tell the story, so she got the elevator. Thank God. Um, Horrible, though. And then in in Ontario, a quadriplegic woman said um, it would be faster for her to pursue MAID than it would be to wait for the state to provide disability support services. In a video posted, again, social media. She said... I am a 33-year-old quadriplegic single mom raising two kids with disabilities. Every Ontarian that is paying taxes and paying into social programs, thinking that one day, should they ever need the supports that would be available to them, I'm here to let you know that's not actually the case. She said in the video that she could access Canada's medical assistance and dying program after a 90-day eligibility assessment, but that accessing disability services could take up to eight months. My life as it is, without support as a quadriplegic, is far more deadly than me even exploring the MAID process, she said. It's not what I want, but if I don't receive the support that I need, the outcome is the same. If I get to a point where I'm really sick and basically terminally ill anyways, I would like to have other options. She said even with government support money, she would be living in a forced poverty living in forced poverty, as the most the program pays out is $12.28 a month for all living expenses, which is unbelievable. Canada's Emergency Response Benefit Program has previously determined that Canadians need a minimum of $2,000 per month to afford their basic necessities. Ms. Finley said the government has created the perfect storm for disabled people here in Ontario. Starve them, cut them off from participating in society, and then offer them death. There was another MAID death um, last year in uh, Abbotsford, Canada, where police launched an investigation into the death of Donna Duncan amid claims by her daughters that the 61-year-old should not have been approved for MAID. Her daughters, Alicia and Christy, requested the probe, saying their mom was suffering from depression linked to a concussion that she got in a car crash when she applied for MAID. Doctors should have focused on treating her pain and mental health problems rather than greenlighting her euthanasia request, they said. The procedure was carried out in October 2021, um, and the police investigation did conclude without any arrests, which is sad. Um, and the last example I have um, of iffy made um, is a Duncan family tragedy echoes the case of Ellen Nichols, a 61-year-old ma- man from British Columbia with a history of depression who was green-lighted for euthanasia on the basis of a single health condition, hearing loss. He submitted a request to be euthanized, and he was killed by lethal injection in 2019, despite concerns raised by his family and a nurse practitioner. His brother Gary says he was basically put to death. So it seems to me to be a little bit easier to get killed get killed <laughs> get killed than, than maybe it should be. Um, maybe uh, the the concern here that I think anyone should have is that it's going to be easier for people who are poor or homeless or a, in other ways vulnerable um, you know, people based on their demographic or socioeconomic status to, to go through MAID, uh, rather than they may not have the time that, uh, Ms. Finley suggested was too long, uh, to get help that other types of help. So they'll just resort to getting, um, made, um, let's see, what else do I have here? Uh. Vulnerable populations are more at risk of untimely deaths because patients might also be subjected to physician-assisted suicide without their genuine consent. I think that's, that's a, a problem. And the American Medical Association opposes physician-assisted suicide. In response to the ongoing debate, the AMA has issued guidance for both those who support and oppose physician-assisted suicide. The AMA Code of Ethics Opinion 5.7 reads physician-assisted suicide is fundamentally incompatible with a physician's role as healer and that it would be difficult or impossible to control and would pose serious societal risks, but it does not explicitly prohibit the practice. And then there was an opinion poll that was released in May of this year that showed how widespread report for MAID had become, and more than a quarter of voters said that the poor and the homeless should be allowed to end their lives with MAID. That which is appalling to me. A quarter of people said that. Oh, if you're poor, go ahead and kill yourself. If you're homeless, go ahead and kill yourself. Don't uh, we? We don't owe you any more than that. Um, we owe you a good death, I guess.
1: Well, I mean, there. That's probably the same quarter of the public that mm. supports Donald Trump and yeah. hates immigrants. And I mean, we know that. Well, le- I'll say less than twenty-five percent, but we just use that for math. Um, are deplorable. And yeah, that's least, definitely yeah. an opinion I can I, I can hear coming out of those sorts of mouths. So um, so yeah. am I surprised it's that high? No, I'm kind of not surprised. it's that high. Um,
0: yeah, I'm disappointed.
1: But, but yeah, it, it makes me sad. It's a complete lack of, of empathy. Um, and also, I don't want to say stupid, but stupid. Oh, you're poor. Kill yourself. I thought thought one of the values you espoused was like, anybody can do anything. You pull yourself up from your bootstraps and meet that challenge. And so, Mm -hmm. I don't know.
0: It's inconsistent.
1: Very much so. But, um, (sighs) yeah. Gosh, I, it's hard to find jokes about suicide. <laughs> I'm really surprised. Oh, yeah. I thought they would just be dropping like flies. Hey! <laughs> and no, they weren't. And even that so, didn't. Go on.
0: What information do you have for us about
1: well, assisted suicide? Yes, and what a great question. What information do I have? Because when I went down my podcast trail of shows about assisted suicide... I listened to a couple um and got like, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes into it. And it was very clear that like they were against it and there was this agenda. And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden it got Christian and it was like, oh, oh no. God, I got tricked. This oh, looked like no. a news article or news podcast. And it's not WGOD. I'll never listen to you again. <laughs> so um so there wasn't much in podcast land for me uh, because the the other things that came up if it was if it wasn't like firmly against with a very strong christian viewpoint then it was emotional porn just oh. like oh my god i am i'm dying and i have to claw my way up the stairs every morning All the horrible things in my life And all I want to do is Like, you know, five minutes of this person's misery And you're just like, oh my god, you poor thing You should absolutely be free from all of us And, you know, yeah, that's the whole point of this Right Mm -hmm. Um, And it was It was kind of one or the other I found one podcast that went into Sort of the midpoint, which was around the morality Of um, what does it mean To administer uh, lethal Medication to somebody and and to be the vehicle by which that person dies. Right. Right, Um, right. And, and the concerns around consent and um, not cognizance, but like basically your sanity, for instance, Mm -hmm. in the United States um, we've got 10 States plus the district of Columbia um, that allow for medically assisted suicide um, with lots of conditions and in all of those states, you're not allowed to choose medically assisted suicide if you have Alzheimer's or dementia, right? So it's all about, yeah. do you have the faculties to, to make this decision? Um, and so where I went to ultimately was just the history of this movement. And so let's take a quick look at the history of uh, the euthanasia movement. And I will be reading this from The Daily, which is a uh, news publication put out by JSTOR. Um, okay. The idea that death should be merciful is not new. When a person is gravely wounded or terminally ill, when death is inevitable and the suffering is so great that living no longer brings any joy to the person, it is understandable that he or she may wish to die. The invention and widespread use of morphine in the 19th century to treat and then to kill pain led to the belief that a less painful dying process was possible. In the mid-19th century, surgeons began using chloroform, which had fewer negative effects than morphine and which knocked people unconscious. In 1885, the American Medical Association officially opposed voluntary euthanasia. Though some doctors believed in the redemptive nature of suffering— the opposition was not overwhelming enough to stop the movement. The ability to relieve pain experienced as a result of surgical procedures, childbirth, or mere living logically led to conversations around death and dying. Medications could alleviate end-of-life suffering and expedite death. So, uh, let's see. In January 23rd, 1906, the Ohio legislator, sorry, legislature introduced the euthanasia bill. A Cincinnati woman named Anna Hall had lobbied hard to legalize euthanasia, hoping to haste the death of her mother, who was suffering from a terminal and painful illness. And that this was 1906. And I've got to say, if you're campaigning to end the life of your mother, mm-hmm. maybe you're more into the money than you are to your mother. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, But so that's going back to 1906. In 1911, a woman named Sadie Merchant, who was living in a shaker colony and struggling to breathe with a single functioning lung for years, asked for help for dying. The shakers that she'd been living with got together and they prayed, and then God told them that it was okay for them to help this woman. Um, So two of the shakers were arrested after the lady's death. Their case was ultimately dismissed in January of 1912. The dismissal charges helped cement the idea of euthanasia as merciful in the case of terminal illness and grave suffering. In 1935, the euthanasia movement um, started taking off in England, and uh, in 35 they held their inaugural meeting, and the society's founder wrote to the British Medical Journal that he hoped the British Medical Association, which had not offered an opinion one way or the other, would not offer an opinion. The decision to die, the author continued, was not a medical one. In 1957, the Vatican proclaimed that passive euthanasia was acceptable. Hmm. So what does that mean, right? So in 57, basically, the Vatican said hey, if you decide not to eat anymore because you're ill and you're not we'll going to take medication anymore and you know that those actions are only going to result in your death, uh, that arguably could be choosing okay. to die and that would arguably be, but we we're going to forgive it and and you're cool and you can, you can do it. Um, and now uh, that basically brings us into today, uh, anyone choosing to die in any of the states where – this is legal, has to undergo a series of mental examinations and um, receive, I'll say, approval from two different doctors. Um, it's not something that you just get to walk into the clinic, ask for the uh-huh. pill, and then uh-huh. go sit down somewhere and and quietly die in a corner. Uh, uh-huh. It's actually a process. And um, I'll say it's probably as rigorous as uh, people need to go through when they're in transition or when they're considering transitioning. You just don't get to walk into a clinic and announce mm-hmm. that you're transgendered and then all of a sudden everybody is giving you the hormones that you are asking right. for, right? right? There's an evaluation process, so so same. Um, yeah, and so that, I mean, not a big sweeping history and it's really more filled with... um stories of people and their personal stories and and for me that really makes this a complicated topic to, mm-hmm. to talk about because it is so personal it's easy for me to have loads of opinions on on anything but much like uh abortion i'll say this feels like it's something that should be left up to the individual
0: yeah no, i agree I mean, it's easy for me to sit here and think, oh, anyone should be allowed to take their own lives at any time for any reason, but then you have to think about the effects on other people. So, like, you know, are you leaving behind people that depend on you, that rely on you, that need you around, um, for example, or, you know, are are there other things, are there other factors in play that need to be considered? So, so while I lean towards um, allowing medical assisted dying, um, I think it should be very cautiously, I, I think as most people do i think it should be very cautiously administered <laughs>
1: yeah you don't get to do it because you stubbed your toe
0: yeah yeah right or you're having a, a depression you know even if you're having a depression over the loss of a relationship or something like that i mean that's a that's a normal part of life and you should be allowed to live out that depression and hopefully overcome it um, but if if you are depressed for 50 years and you, there's no no relief in sight then that's another consideration i think
1: I'll agree. It's a case by case basis. We just can't come in and and make these sweeping proclamations. You know. yeah. Everybody born on February second can totally. <laughs> here you go. It's your day.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely agree. Shall we talk about the apology? Let's
1: talk about the apology. Yeah, because because um, I'm still not sure where I land on this apology.
0: Okay. All right. So the uh, the hospital wrote. We share our deepest apologies with the individual for any distress caused by this incident. Um, and, uh, I think this was in a Globe and Mail article and the hospital's public affairs leader, Jeremy Deutsch, um, wrote during patient assessments of this nature, difficult questions are often asked by clinicians to determine the appropriate care and risk to the patient. Staff are to explore all available care options for the patient and a clinical evaluation with a client who presents with suicidality may include questions about whether they have considered made as part of their contemplations. So that's what I have for the apology. Did you have any additional? Verbiage?
1: That's um, all I No, found. I, yeah, I don't. Um, okay. What I found was the exact same thing. Um, okay. So, yeah.
0: Cool. Cool. Um, so, what I think of this apology is that it's purely cover your ass from the hospital's governing agency. And that given the seriousness of ethical implications of made and the apparent carelessness of the clinician involved, um, the, apo- the apology gets a zero. Uh, okay. If you look at the particular, particulars of the apology, was there an expression of regret? I mean, kind of. But how many times have we said that something like, we apologize for any distress caused, It's not an apology? So, so automatically, I mean, I yeah, it's automatic zero for that particular aspect. Was there an explanation of what went wrong? Um, not really. I mean, he said that difficult questions are asked and we can ask this question. It's not a big deal. So I give that sort of a maybe explanation of what went wrong. Um, I, I don't think that I don't think that what he said is necessarily true. And that when you're assessing suicide, you're going to ask whether somebody is considered made. Um But. But I could be wrong. Acknowledgement of responsibility, no. Declaration of repentance, no. Offer of repair, no. They didn't say we're going to change our assessment to, to leave this out or we're going to deeply look into our assessment practices. None of that, so no. And there was no request for forgiveness. So, again, that's a zero for me. How about you?
1: So I gave it a one. No. Um, and, yeah, I know, right? Um, I thought about a zero, but they did they could have just said that is a standard question in our intake process, right? And th- they could have, they, they could have, and they might have been better served if they had just they said might that, have. yeah, right? Um, so guys, again, just call us when you have problems and we'll let you know what yeah. you should be saying and doing. <laughs> yes. Um, but you know, they, they did also acknowledge that maybe this wasn't quite the thing that should have happened in the way, and eh, so. It felt like a one, it felt like an acknowledgement of some wrongdoing, but they were real quick to let themselves off the hook. Yeah. But I mean, I could be (laughs) talked off of my one shelf and down to a zero, no problem.
0: Yeah, I was just thinking, I I would think that an assessment would be, a patient assessment of suicidality would be a routine um, procedure that would be done the same way with every patient and that you don't wing it just to... But but again, I could be wrong. So it seems to me that that he is saying that there is a lot of leeway in what you in how you assess for suicidality and and I I think that that's what am I saying I don't have any I don't have any anything to stand on. But I'm, I'm that's but, just my gut feeling based on absolutely no um, education or anything like that.
1: It, right. But I mean, you know, as reasonable people, because yeah. we we are. Right. Reasonable in some ways and then unreasonable in other ways. Like the salt right. shaker goes there and it stays there. It can be <laughs> seen as unreasonable by some people. Um, I think you can look at at a situation and without having, you just sort of know what's morally, ethically right. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so yeah. It's, but again, you know, it's it's tough. I'll I'll say,
0: yeah. And I mean, we're kind of arguing over one point in our apology here, so I think I think uh, we can give this a point five and be happy with it.
1: Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. It could, anywhere from zero to point five is great. Um, <laughs> yeah, they could still assess for suicide. I can't say it suicidality. suicidality. Thank you. Um, without like offering hints about ways to make it easier yeah, really. yeah he didn't oh
0: you're depressed because your dog died would you like to die
1: have you thought about yeah. a gun or a knife like which I mean, way would you do it
0: well they do ask that question actually that the, when you're assessing suicidality they, they ask if you they don't ask that way but they say have you thought about how you would do it because a lot of times people further along on the on the road to killing themselves have a plan and are specifically aware of how they would do it so that question could be asked but um but i, I wouldn't necessarily say, well, have you thought about dying if the person hadn't raised dying as an option? That's a little bit much. All right. So do you have an apology expected or who's sorry now this week?
1: Um, I do, but I will go second if I can.
0: Of course. So mine this week is um, about the two robo-taxi companies, GM's Cruise and Alphabet's Waymo, who are expanding their um, their robo-taxi services to cities across the U.S., including Austin, so be on the lookout, Los Angeles, Miami, and New York City. Um, On August 10th, the California Public Utilities Commission allowed Cruise and Waymo to operate across San Francisco at all hours and charge fares. Opponents, including transit and fire officials, argued that the taxis had repeatedly gotten in the way of emergency responders and had become a nuisance. The very next day, cruise cars snarled traffic in the city after the Outside Lands Music Festival called wireless service problems and the cars lost contact with their central office. Meanwhile, after two crashes in San Francisco, cruise has been requested to cut their fleet in half, while at the same time, a new driverless bus or shuttle service is rolling out in Treasure Island. So if you're on Treasure Island, you'll be able to take a bus without a driver. So I'm expecting an apology from both Cruise and Waymo when um, finally they, after after all these all these people are allowed to use them as taxis, and they snarl traffic everywhere, they stop for no reason, they run into other things, just um, generally make a nuisance of themselves. Uh, I'm expecting that to become known and for uh, Cruise and Waymo to apologize.
1: They keep playing with these self-driving cars, and they keep Crazy. risking our lives.
0: They hit people, they catch on fire, they do all kinds of crazy things, and I can't believe that that they're allowed to do what they do. But are, are you excited? Would you take one in Austin when they come?
1: Uh, the short answer is no, I will not. I have <laughs> seen the, the messenger bots that basically like um, an ice cooler with roller skates that just yeah. drives around on its own. And yeah. I don't know what they're delivering, but they go to my vet's office. And okay. so... They show up and it's weird to me. Yeah, it's weird because there's nobody there.
0: They're weird looking.
1: And who's there to greet the thing? Does it have something for me? What's I? It's, yeah, how do you know? I'm so nervous, right? Um, <laughs> so yeah, I would never, ever, ever get into a car that was driverless. No, thank you. It's so
0: spooky to see cars without drivers just running around the city. And they used to be for a long time, they would have a passenger in them, sort of keeping an eye on how things were going. But now they don't have passengers anymore. Right? Now they just drive around on their own. It seems to me it's too risky, too big a risk to take. But apparently few people feel the same way I do because it's, uh, it's happening.
1: Wow. Well, um, for mine this week, I was going to do uh, something around the Hawaii fires. However, um, I've only been able to find one article on this, and I'm not sure that it's. Uh, it might be misinformation. So, uh-huh. uh, in my last minute, like, oh, I mm, I don't want to spread misinfo, so I'll just like mm. skip that. We're going to go straight to Hurricane Hillary and oh, um, the apology that. The hurricane will be issuing for all of the flooding <laughs> in Los Angeles County and I am sorry, Long Beach. I love you. You flood when it fogs. It oh isn't going to be so bad.
0: Oh dear. And even out to Palm Springs, as we were talking about before the podcast, and it's gonna go all the way up all the way up north and into Nevada and I think probably Las Vegas will have some effects as well. So it's, at least it will only be a tropical storm by the time it hits land in, in Los Angeles, in the Los Angeles area, Southern California. But still, that's uh, a lot more water than the desert is prepared to take on right now.
1: No. And as somebody who is planning on moving out to the California desert in Southern California at some point and hopefully soon, um, I am not excited about climate change and potential of hurricanes.
0: I know, right? That's going to How many years? Eighty years? It's nuts. It, now, forever. What's going to happen in the future?
1: Yeah, and so uh, what's going to happen is California will turn into Florida because mm-hmm. it'll be all the moisture and all the water and all the rains and all the sunshine, and yeah, and Good. that could be nice or not. I don't know.
0: Not if the humidity is. Not it's going to be horrible. Be yeah. Too much. Too much. All right. Well, fingers crossed for everybody in the path of, of Hillary. Uh, and why did they have to name it Hillary? That's too much, I think. It should have been some other woman's name. It's, it's like but then, women.
1: you know, like, were they up to the letter? Obviously, they were up to the letter H because don't they right. have to? They don't yeah, have to. They, but there they, are
0: plenty of women's names to start with H. They didn't have to pick Hillary.
1: But you know what happened? It would have been. Oh, you didn't pick Hillary because <laughs> Democrats control the weather and blah, 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 blah. So Democrats
0: do control the weather. We're maybe. mad at L.A. right now for some reason that we don't understand. So. All right. Thank you, Theo, for your support this week, as always. And thank and you, not Theo, for your participation.
1: For everything. And, uh,
0: Thank you. And uh, I guess, everyone, we will see you next week. Uh, I think we're going to be around next week unless we go on a cruise or something fun. Um, So A surprise
1: cruise. A
0: surprise cruise could happen. Stay cool cucumbers and don't trip potato chips.